You're listening to the Arctic Circle podcast. In this episode, we listen to Thomas Mach from the Aliot Corporation and Kirsti Merti from the municipality of Tromsø discuss maritime transportation and Arctic communities. The discussion is moderated by Mats Kvist Fredriksen, director of the Arctic Economic Council. This event originally took place at the 2021 Arctic Circle Assembly in Reykjavik, Iceland, as part of the Arctic Economic Council's Nordic Talk series. So, Thomas Mack, welcome to Nordic Talks, Arctic Talks, and I would like you to start out introducing yourself. Who are you and what's your relation to the Arctic region? Okay, thank you, Mads, for having me, and I'm excited to participate in the Arctic Talks here at the Arctic Circle. Uh, like you said, my name is Thomas Mack. I am Unangan, and Unangan is the name the indigenous natives uh, call themselves uh, in our language, which is called Unangam Tanu. Uh, the Western word would be Aleut. Um, I am from uh, the Unangam have resided and inhabited, survived, and thrived in the Aleutian Island, Privilof Islands, and the Alaska Peninsula for thousands of years. Um, this topic that we're talking about today, marine transportation, is very near and dear to us uh, because, like I said, we've been there for thousands of years. We have uh, navigated those waters. Uh, we're experts uh, in seamanship, uh, so to speak. Uh, we have used the, um, the oceans for marine transportation, building and growing our economies. Uh, it's a main part of our food source. And so, um, you know, we have a lot of good things happening in our region, uh, in the Aleutians. And we will, we will hear from Kirsti Meti in a second from, from Tromsø mm -hmm. and about the community uh, resilience and how the role of maritime transportation plays in building up uh, the local communities. Mm -hmm. but, but as you mentioned, you know, you, you have a history of, of being connected to the sea, being connected to the ocean. It's mm -hmm. your main mode of transportation, mm -hmm. going back in history. But... But what challenges and opportunities does this increased focus on maritime transportation re represent for the local communities in oh, the Aleut? There's definitely challenges when it comes to increased marine transportation in Alaska uh, in general. But we're very fortunate in the Aleutian Privilof Island and the Alaska Peninsula region because we do have a lot of existing infrastructure already there. And that's due to the marine transportation that is happening every day right now. Uh, we're on what's called the Great Circle Route. Thousands of ships uh, pass through, through that region what, already. What, what, what is that, the Great Circle Route? Maybe you could elaborate. Uh, well, Great Circle Route is any point from one point to another. But right now, ships that travel through the Panama Canal stop at the west coast of the United States and then travel to Asia. They take the goods from Europe either through the Suez or through the Panama. They come up the west coast of the United States, stop in the west coast, then travel through Asia, and they go right through the, um, the Aleutian Islands. I um, mean, you see the ships, like I said, hundreds a day to a thousand. And so that brings me to the point of the northern sea routes and the northwest passage routes. When those open up, they're going to cut down that transportation that is happening that utilizes the northern, I mean, that utilizes the Panama Canal, it'll cut the time uh, by a quarter or more. 
Um, so we're excited for that. There, there are challenges right now in Alaska because of its remoteness and its cost prohibitive uh, because of its remoteness to build more ports. They are needed. Again, in the Aleutians, there are deep water, ice-free, year-round ports that are utilized to this day. So when we hear people say, oh, there's no deep water ports or ice-free ports in, in Alaska, that's false. There are, uh, and we utilize them every day. Um, uh, and and what? So, so some people also, when they talk about Arctic shipping, they mm -hmm. they mention the the safety of shipping, mm -hmm. you know, and pollution, the environment, and so on. Especially, you uh, you represent an indigenous organization, mm -hmm. and what what are your thoughts about this this issue about safety of shipping? And yeah, that's definitely a concern. Uh, safety, shipping, pollution, environmental issues, but those can be mitigated with cooperation from the Arctic nations, with joint vessel tracking, uh, monitoring and emergency response measures. If those are put in place, especially through the Bering Straits region, which is like a chokehold between the Arctic Ocean and the Bering Sea, which ships will be using when they come through the northern sea route or the northern Northwest Passage, Uh, there's a necessary need for more ports in the U.S., which will be in Alaska, and uh, the need for infrastructure is vital uh, to mitigate this pollution that could happen from emergency uh, responses. Like I said, we do have great ports in the Lucian region, which is considered part of the Arctic, um, but there needs to be more, uh, definitely. I'm I'm curious. So these are some of the challenges, but mm -hmm. obviously there's plenty of opportunities for the local communities if we invest mm -hmm. in infrastructure, if we invest in maritime transportation. But but maybe you could elaborate. What what are some of these opportunities within maritime shipping? Uh, definitely, there's community capacity building, and that will happen through more jobs, more employment. Uh, once you start doing that, ancillary businesses will start up. Uh, when you have an economy that's growing because of more Uh, marine transportation, other businesses start have to start to support that. And so that'll help build the uh, economy. Uh, the people who live in Alaska are very entrepreneurial. Um, it'll be exciting uh, to start new businesses. They, they pop up. Um, and with increased traffic, marine traffic, will bring more competition. More competition will likely lead to lower prices. So... Uh, It's it's a natural thing that will happen. So those are some great opportunities that will happen. And so, some people are always saying, you know, that you know, if we increase investments in the Arctic, it will only benefit people, benefit the people out living outside mm -hmm. the region. So I think the key here is for the communities to also have a to see the effects of these mm -hmm. investments in infrastructures and so on. How can we how can we ensure that local communities get the full opportunity of of, of international maritime transportation? Um, education definitely is important about the benefits and challenges of increased marine traffic. So I think that the organizations, businesses, policymakers need to really tap into the traditional indigenous and local knowledge uh, of the people who are living there. The people of the Arctic, you know, they're the, they're the experts. They've lived there for thousands of years. They understand it. So being able to tap into that is going to be important. Like I said, they've lived there. We've lived there. We've thrived there. You know, we exist uh, with nature. We've done it, you know. So this is not something new. That That's important to, sh to say, like, 
you know, a lot of people from the outside think of it's like so new and, you know, all this here, but no, we've been there longer than, you know, people who live in Western <laughs> United States for, for certain. So, um, I think that's important to, to be able to tap into what's already there. There are great projects that are going on, uh, in Alaska. A lot of green projects. There's geothermal. There's hydro. There's tidal. Um, there's, uh, connectivity. There's a fiber being laid right now going out into the Aleutians, connecting seven communities with high speed internet. Uh, so there's a lot of exciting things happening that, uh, need to be highlighted. And I, and I think that's a very smooth transition to, to some of the stuff that Kirsty is doing around sustainability and about, you talked about green projects, you talked about, you know, the local communities developing and using traditional energy sources maybe that we have known for years, but transforming to, to have cities that can thrive and be interesting communities. Kirsty, before, before I start asking you a question, maybe you could just introduce yourself and, and where you sit and what's your relationship with the Arctic region? Yes, thank you very much. Um, so my position is that I work in the municipality of Tromsø uh, with uh, Arctic uh, questions. Um, uh, we have one project called Arctic Capital where uh, Tromsø would like to position itself as a hub for Arctic questions and institutions, organizations that work to promote Arctic cooperation and produce Arctic knowledge. My second function is that I'm the acting um, head of secretariat of a new organization called Arctic Mayors Forum, which is an organization that has been created in order to voice uh, the concerns and the interests of all peoples living in the Arctic. Uh, because there is, of course, um, a tendency to uh, observe that some actors, some um, voices seem to think of the Arctic as a zone that should be a natural reserve and where um, the need for economic sustainable development um, is no more needed. So, uh, or rather, econom economic development is no more needed. So the, the objective is, of course, to really concentrate on what does sustainable development in the Arctic really mean? Is it different from in the South? And how do we have to mobilize people, the knowledge, the traditional knowledge and the current um, scientific knowledge around these questions where the Arctic has such a huge role to play, not only because we on our own need to become sustainable in order to have an acceptable economic and social development, but also that the Arctic has a lot to offer the world when it comes to solutions to sustainable development and to combat climate change. And, and I think, you know, what you two have in common here is you're talking about the people first and also promoting of the region. You know, there might be a PR problem with the Arctic region that some people see as a polar bears and, you know, northern lights and nothing else. For the listeners listening to this podcast that don't know about Tromsø and North Norway, you know, maybe you could describe that. Is that polar bears and igloos, or what, what kind of city is Tromsø? Well, Tromsø is um, a city that, because of the Gulf Stream, has a very mild and very friendly climate. So it means that it is a city that could be compared to a lot of urban cities, modern cities, developed societies with a lot of infrastructure 
and industries and uh, educational systems and administrative structures uh, in the north. So it is the biggest city of northern Norway and um, it has currently 76,000 inhabitants with a university and a lot of other uh, scientific institutions. But what is important for us concerning the Arctic is that very many Arctic institutions have, have established their permanent secretariats in Tromsø, thereof Arctic capital, the notion of Arctic capital. Um, it's the Arctic Council, it's you, the Arctic Economic uh, Council, and we are just about to establish a permanent secretariat of the Arctic Mayors Forum in Tromsø as well. Uh, and also the uh, International Indigenous Peoples Secretariat is also <coughs> established in Tromsø. And, and as far as I understand, the Arctic Mayor Forums also has representatives from Alaska. Is that correct? Yeah. From Anchorage. From but Anchorage. we're hoping to increase. Uh, once we get the Secretariat in place, we will employ somebody that will start to work much more structured to recruit. Yeah. Because this forum is open to all mayors or elected leaders of communities and cities or municipalities in uh, the whole Arctic region. And, and I think, I mean, what the Arctic Mayor Forum does and the Arctic Economic Council and the Arctic Council is gathering people. You know, we are, we are a region with four million people. We need to collaborate. Maybe, you know, how do we, you know, so, so we have a PR issue here and we have, we, we have a common interest in this. Maybe you could talk about some of these projects that goes on in Alaska already, some of these amazing projects that you wish more people knew about uh, that we need to tell about to the world. Yeah, yes. When a lot of people, you know, when they think of the Arctic and the pristineness, and then they hear, they concentrate on the oil and gas uh, issue, I think. And it, it kind of has a negative connotation, but it, it doesn't. You know, it's one of the, in Alaska, there is, carbon extraction and it's done in a very safe clean environment if people could see it uh the animals live near the refinery i mean not refineries but uh, where they're extracting um i've seen it with my own eyes we also have some great renewable projects like i was talking to some of the communities where i'm from king cove alaska on the very tip of the alaska peninsula they have two great hydro um projects which reduces the um need for electricity, like greatly. Uh, they, we still use diesel. I, I can't imagine people n not going off of diesel ever completely. I mean, it would be a dream. Uh, but, you know, it, they, can, they can be used in combination, uh, is kind of like my message. Uh, we also have wind uh, turbines. Um, we have uh, geothermal projects being put in place. And these are, the senator from Alaska mentioned these things like microgrid projects. They're smaller. A community of, uh, you know, 500 people does not need a massive hydro dam. It's small, discrete projects. They don't need, you know, 100 windmills. They need three. Uh, and it, it, it makes life easier. I've noticed here in Iceland, too, they have smaller geothermal projects. I mean, they're great. Uh, you don't need these massive, you know, projects. Uh, Re reintroducing small is beautiful. Yes, I, I really like that thing. <laughs> I, I, I really in, uh, learned something new today on, on hearing that and, comment. 
And I think, you know, small is beautiful. A lot of the members in the Arctic Mayor's Forum come from small communities compared to Washington, D.C. or Copenhagen or Oslo. What, what is it that they have in, like, what is it they have in common and what opportunities do you see putting these small organizations together, mm. you know, because why shouldn't Oslo and Washington mm. not talk with each other? Why should it be Anchorage and Tromsø and Akureyri? Well, first of all, we're talking about the Arctic as a pan-Arctic, uh, a global region. So because Ar the Arctic has become so topical uh, because of climate change, because of resources, because of perspectives of new transport corridors between East and West and so on and so forth, there has been a increasing need for um, communities to get together, to connect, and to try to define what do we have in common, the people and the communities living in this part of, of the world. And I think that there are very many issues that come up um, when we have started to collaborate and to get to know each other. One of them is that People in the north uh, have a feeling of being far away from the decision-making uh, centers because all the Arctic states have their main decision-making centers south mm -hmm. of the Arctic. Uh, so, the, so to have knowledge, to have uh, sufficient and relevant knowledge about the distances, the climate conditions, and the living conditions of people of the north is not always all that well-known amongst uh, some central decision-makers. So that's one of those things that we have discovered, that we have this political, um, I wouldn't say DNA, but a political feeling that is common, which is the feeling of having always felt far away from decision-making places, ignorance, people not really knowing what's going on, not knowing the conditions of life, etc. And that has triggered a very um, eagerness to, to get to know each other better so that we can join forces and to start to speak with some type of Arctic voice somehow from that community or <coughs> municipality level. <coughs> so I think the political motivation here is really... The, maybe the most important one, but it is driven by the desire of the people and communities of the North to want to develop their communities, to want economic development, to want to, want to be sustainable. So now we are trying to collaborate and to identify how do we exchange experiences and give each other ideas and help each other in that um, quest. And, and that that leads me to to asking about some of the you know what <laughs> what so so here we hear about the policymakers getting together, um, but you know how do we get policymaking and business to talk with each other? And what would be your recommendations? What is your like call to action to to yep. the policymakers? Uh, in what do they need to know about the Arctic? Because one, I mean, I think the municipalities they know very mm -hmm. well the realities on the ground, but we also have people you know, making policy about the region that never, has never been there. So how, what do we need to tell them? What's the call to action? Yeah, I have a couple of points on this one, Mads. And one is like the policy makers like of the art, eight Arctic nations need to come up with some kind of, let's for lack of better words, a like Arctic accord that makes it 
more financially attractive to invest in the Arctic, make a more favorable regulatory climate or structure for businesses to make sustainable investments in the Arctic. Uh, it shouldn't be a mystery, like everybody doing all these presentations and saying, oh my goodness, where are we going to find the money? There should be a, a format of where to go to do that. But most importantly, I think that policy-making bodies need to work with the business organizations and community and use organizations such as the Arctic Economic Council to make sure the policies that they are pursuing are doable. Are they economically and physically possible to do? Or are they just a big idea? Uh, so vetting them, so to speak. Um, and then I think they, the policy should be concluded with a formal agreement so that people know what it is and then be communicated with the public and to organizations so that they know how to participate and, and, and then, get involved. And what's the role of business in the Acting Mayor's Forum? Does it have a role or, you know, because municipalities is obviously interested in attracting investments, I assume. Mm. Is there any plans? Have there been any discussions around this? Well, we are early days. I wouldn't say that we have a structured dialogue with business associations, um, but it is going to to be established because of, obviously municipalities have a need to create jobs. They have mm -hmm. a need for economic development. So uh, municipality needs enterprises and entrepreneurs, obviously. Um, but I think that... Um, One of the things I think will be important is that we manage in the Arctic to really raise the perspective and to look and try together to look into the future, to say like 10, 20, even 30 years, let's say 2050 to be on the Paris Agreement <laughs> uh, level, and to really reflect together about how we can become climate neutral How, because the Arctic is, from a symbolic point of view, so important when it comes to climate change. And to, to really be bold when it comes to creating new partnerships in order to make, to have the good innovations, to have the solutions, and to see how we better can work together between public authorities and the private sector. Because Different municipalities in different countries have different roles, but the public sector can never create jobs as such. They can stimulate, they can um, contribute with framework condition, regulatory framework like you were mentioning, and they can also be um, instrumental in trying to make investments funds or to, to, to stimulate investments uh, in, in the north. So we need, to, we need to think about those new dialogues, those new partnerships, yeah. and because there are too many cultural differences yeah. between the academia, the, uh, the private sector, and the public sector. And we, I mean, the new, the future that we have to create is going to be climate neutral. Mm -hmm. So we just better get work get on with that work and, and to understand that we need to do it together. Mm -hmm. We need to just get away from all those silos that we've had built up since the Second World War and, uh, and get into that new era. And there I would very much like to see that the Arctic and Arctic representatives could be bold, could be courageous mm -hmm. to take new initiatives and to really be visionary And to, and to really believe that the Arctic has a lot to offer mm -hmm. to the world, both in terms of, 
of values, uh, create value creation, uh, but also solutions for those green solution, uh, green um, yeah jobs, etc. And, and, I, and I think that's a good way to sum up because we started out hearing from Thomas about the opportunities around deep sea ports, opportunities around shipping, what, what impact it will have for job creation. And, and they're really trying to give a voice to the opportunities there in Alaska outside of oil and gas, you know, being a transport hub, being a link, being the place to go. So, and we have just facilitated discussion between business, indigenous people and the public sector the municipalities, the people from the Arctic. So thank you very much for this conversation. Thank you.